You may be seated. I have a question for you. I've already alluded uh, to this question earlier in the service, but have you encountered God uh, recently? And in asking that question, I'm not asking if you have seen a burning bush that is not consumed. I'm not asking if you have uh, seen a pretty awesome stormy, lightning type of a situation settle upon the top of Pinnacle Mountain. I've not asked if you encountered some animals slaughtered and the pieces laid apart from one another in a smoking fire pot and a cauldron passing through. I'm not even asking when the last time was you saw that that divine hot rod that we see described in Ezekiel uh, chapter 1, roaring down your neighborhood uh, street. Have you encountered uh, God recently? You know, the saints in the Old Testament, at least some of them on some occasions, did encounter God with these visible manifestations of God that theologians call theophanies. And one thing that I would like to encourage us with today is that I understand the passage that is before us in Daniel chapter 10, and especially verses 5 through 12, as being one of those visible manifestations of God to one of our Old Testament brethren, Daniel. You may remember in verse 1, There we read that this heavenly messenger came to give Daniel understanding about the future. But also I would like for us to consider an additional purpose. That because of this powerful, visible manifestation of God, Daniel came to see the all-sufficiency and all-gloriousness of God who is sovereign over the future and is able to supply every need for His children in the future. And what Daniel came away with was a greater confidence in this God as he faced the future. And that really is the lesson that I would have for us uh, today. But we have something better than a visible manifestation of God. We have something better than a smoking fire pot and a cauldron occasionally (laughs) passing through animal pieces like Abraham saw in Genesis chapter 15. We encounter God, His all-sufficiency, His all-gloriousness, and something better than theophanies, though they were proper and helpful in the time that they occurred. But we have something better. Do you know what it is? It's the Word of God. I just remember some... About a year or so ago, just really 
settling on a story in Matthew chapter 8 where Jesus encountered the leper. And I've mentioned this before. But I was going through a period of, as we all do, questioning the future. Questioning what God would have me to do. And I had a real encounter with Jesus. Not because I saw the risen Christ physically, but because I, had, I encountered him in the word of God as he was working healing in that leper. So in a sense, my whole outlook changed because of this powerful encounter there by myself, sitting in my recliner, With the word of God. So have you encountered God recently? That's what we want to talk about today. We want to see that Daniel encountered God. And he was able to stand and face the future because of it. Now turn to Daniel chapter 10. We'll read again this passage that we read last week in verses 1 through 12. Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict, and he understood the word and the understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, And they fled to hide themselves, so I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, and I sat and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken his word to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, 
Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. This passage in Daniel so closely resembles the passage J.C. read from Revelation 1, doesn't it? In the description of this heavenly messenger, and even the effect the heavenly messenger had on those, on John in Revelation, who beheld the glorious Christ. Let us pray. Our Father, today as we come to this passage yet again, now show us your all-sufficiency, show us that you are all-glorious, show us that we stand in light of who you are and we face the future with great confidence, not confidence in our ability, but confidence in you. Teach us this. Strengthen us with these truths, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. So last week, as we looked at this passage, we really focused on Daniel, Daniel, his, his location and his activity. And you may remember, it was about two years after the first wave of exiles returned uh, to, to Jerusalem uh, because of Cyrus's decree. So the workers had been there working on the temple in Jerusalem for two years. And we noted that what's striking about this is that the the elder statesman Daniel, who you would think would be at the head of the line going back to Jerusalem because of his passion for the restoration of the city of God, was was yet in Babylon, there by the river Tigris. And in fact, he had received news that the workers there in Jerusalem were facing opposition, and this is clearly detailed in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And so Daniel had great concern because of this opposition. Obviously, the work in rebuilding the temple was being thwarted. And what did he do? During the, the season where Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were to be celebrated in Jerusalem, a time of celebration over God's deliverance, Daniel was mourning during that entire period. He was fasting and he was in prayer. And so one point from last week is that Daniel models for us intercessory, even spiritual warfare, praying on behalf of God's people, praying for the church. And then we also I want to point out that in verses, in verse 12, the, the, the messenger came in response to Daniel's words. And obviously this is in response to his prayers. And the point that we made last week is that God sovereignly ordains the prayers of his people and he uses the prayers of his people as part of his means to bring about his, his purposes And so, secondarily, the messenger came because of Daniel's prayer. Primarily, the messenger came because of God's sovereign will in ordaining and using Daniel's prayers to bring about his purposes. And so, those were a couple of lessons and focal points from last week's message. Now, today, we want to turn from looking at Daniel and look at the messenger, the heavenly messenger who came. In the last section of the book of Daniel, as we suggested last week, chapters 10 through 12, are about one single vision. 
And chapter 10 is preparatory so that Daniel would be ready to receive the message that will be given in chapters 11 and 12. And we know that this message, if, if all we did was to look at verse 1, we know that this message that will be given is about this, this conflict between the enemies of God's kingdom and God. And we know the outcome is going to be God prevails. We saw this in chapters 7 through 9, didn't we, of this conflict. But the end of the conflict is a victorious Christ and a victorious church. How better could Daniel be prepared to face the future that included conflict, a cosmic conflict, not about flesh and blood, but about principalities and powers, how better could he be prepared uh, for that than to to receive a vision of God who is all-sufficient and who is all-glorious, who is sovereign, who is powerful. Just think of all the attributes of God. And yet we find that's exactly how Daniel is prepared. That's the significance of this heavenly messenger coming coming, and the description that we have. So one question then, it's a question that we have in part already answered. Who is this heavenly messenger? What is the significance of the description that we find in verses 5 uh, through 9? Now, some, there's, there's debate about the identity of this messenger. Some believe that this is the angel Michael. Others believe this is the angel Gabriel. We've already been introduced to, to Gabriel there in, in chapter 9. But I prefer to identify this heavenly message, messenger not with angelic uh, beings. In light of the description that we have of this heavenly visitor, in light of the effect that this messenger had on Daniel and his companions, on light of the fact that Daniel, as we'll see next week, addresses this heavenly messenger as Lord, in light of the fact that there are similarities between this description, this encounter of Daniel with this heavenly messenger with with other theophanies, visible manifestations of God throughout the Old Testament, it leads me to this identity, that it is a theophany, that it is a visible manifestation of God. And I would even go a step further, that it's not merely a theophany, but a Christophany, which is a visible manifestation of the pre-incarnate Christ. Now, even if I'm a bit misguided in going so far as to say that this is a Christophany, there is no doubt that Daniel, in some shape, fashion, or form, received a vision of God that greatly encouraged him as he faced the future. The the hymn that that we sang uh, earlier about the fact that Human language is so deficient for us in really praising God for all that that He is. Even the best language falls way short of 
of verbalizing the, the, the worth and the glory and the sufficiency of God. But these words that are given here in Daniel chapter 10, though I am sure they are insufficient in so many ways, are the very words that God the Holy Spirit spoke through Daniel to write down to represent the, the all-sufficiency, the all-gloriousness, the power, the holiness, the transcendence of God, the God of the future, the God who ordains the future. And so in verses 5 through 6, Daniel lifted up his eyes, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the, the gleam of uh, burnished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. I mean, this description of this heavenly being really causes us to look at that statue that was in Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2 as this simply being a toy compared to the glory of this particular visible manifestation of this heavenly being. And notice the description of the messenger is given in terms of his dress, linen, precious metals, uh, fine gold, and Glimmering gems, you know, representing his dazzling splendor. That's how one com- uh, commentator put it. Another commentator speaks of his resplendent and overpowering glory is characterized by this description. His awesome power and glory and honor, a, a majestic, fearful presence is represented here. Think of the flames and the face communicating lightning and and the deafening voice like the multitude speaking. What an awesome display of the overpowering glory, the overwhelming glory of God. And there was one phrase that came to my mind. It's the phrase, the dreadful majesty. In other words, no wonder John fell at Jesus' feet there in Revelation 1. And in particular, notice how this heavenly messenger is described. He is wearing linen. And our minds should be drawn to something very particular about linen. In the Mosaic Code, the priests were to wear linen. And think of the high priest who once a year would would make the Day of Atonement, would make atonement dressed in linen and go in to the Holy of Holies. The dress of the messenger profoundly reminded Daniel of the priest and the great high priest and the Day of Atonement, God's provision to deal with sin, to bring about forgiveness and redemption and restoration. And then we think of the face of lightning. And in the Scriptures where lightning is part of the visible manifestation of God, it, it denotes God's presence. And we think of God being present on Mount Sinai as He gives the law code for His covenant. 
with his people. And here, likely with Daniel, he is reminded yet again of God being present with his people, the covenant maker being the covenant keeper, the one who is faithful to his covenant. So we see in this heavenly messenger a clear depiction of redemption, a clear depiction of covenant faithfulness, the very things that we so desperately need to be reminded of day by day that we might not only face today but face the future confident in Christ, who He is and what He has done. And the appearance of this messenger then points, in my view, to Christ, His exaltation as well as His humiliation, His work of redemption on our behalf. Just to read again the the passage from Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, where there John is given instructions to encourage the seven churches that the, 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 the one who died on the cross and rose from the grave is in control. He is the one who fulfilled the covenant stipulations on behalf of God's people. He is the one who is faithful to keep his covenant. He is the one who is alive and who is reigning today. He is in control. And here we see the Lord Jesus Christ described this way. Then I turned, said John, to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flaming fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. I think it is not a stretch to view Daniel's vision of a heavenly messenger as a Christophany, an appearance in pre-incarnate form of the Lord Jesus Christ, our prophet, priest, and king, our faithful covenant keeper, our redeemer. Look at the effect. The effect also points to this. This resplendent messenger affected Daniel and the men around him. Now, the men around Daniel in verse 7, we're told, didn't, didn't see what Daniel saw. The messenger was veiled to them. But the reality had an effect, right? Because these guys were so affected by this heavenly messenger that they were overpowered and overwhelmed, and they fled for cover. (laughs) And poor Daniel is left alone. They're standing before this all-sufficient, all-glorious, overwhelming heavenly messenger. And we read in verse 8, Daniel being left alone, that he was so completely overwhelmed that his strength completely left him. And then we find in verse 9 that he fell on his face as, as the words of this, this heavenly messenger came upon him. 
And the effect clearly shows that Daniel and his companions were absolutely undone like Isaiah was in Isaiah chapter 6 as he, as he, as he was before holy God and overpowered and overwhelmed by, by this dreadful majesty of this heavenly messenger. What an encounter. And I like the way Dr. Ferguson puts it when he says this, even if the figure is not divine, Daniel's vision is still essentially theophanic in a nature because it's, it communicated to him a sense of the omnipotence and all-gloriousness of God. It reveals his absolute sufficiency to meet the needs of his people. And I like that. His absolute sufficiency to meet the needs of his people. And I think here is where we see the significance then of this appearance to Daniel. The effect that it had on him. Secondly, identifying this messenger as a theophany or a Christophany made a huge difference in how Daniel would face the future. We see this in verses 10 and 12. In verse 9, remember, Daniel is so overcome, his strength is absolutely drained from him. He's, he falls on his face, just like John did there in Revelation chapter 1 as he stood before this vision of Christ. But what does the heavenly messenger say? Daniel is, or do, Daniel is on his face, he is in a deep sleep, and Daniel senses a touch. The heavenly messenger reaches down in verse 10 and touches Daniel. And Daniel regains consciousness. And it's, I would, I'm, I've just got in my mind a scene of Daniel just being just straight out flat. And he feels this touch. And his, his whole body, every fiber of his body is just trembling, shaking in, in fear. And he's kind of trying to get up on his hands and knees like a dog. That's actually what the scripture says there in, in, in verse 10. That he's trembling and he came to his hands and, and his knees. And then in verse 11, Daniel hears this. Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. I am sure Daniel really needed to hear that and was glad to hear the fact that this heavenly messenger came not to destroy him, but came to communicate love to him. Oh, Daniel, you are greatly loved. We see the transcendence of God. He's above and beyond. But we also see the eminence of God in that the heavenly messenger touched Daniel. And came face to face with this trembling man on his hands and knees and said, Daniel, I love you. And we saw this in chapter 9, verse 23, didn't we? Where there Daniel is, a, is told by Gabriel of God's love for him. And so then we see the, the heavenly being instructing Daniel, Daniel, stand up. And of course, Daniel's still trembling and he stands up. It's interesting. Sometimes when we think of the future, we might be fearful and we want to go hide in a corner, maybe get in a fetal position <laughs> because we're so fearful. But the heavenly messenger says, 
Daniel stand upright and face the future confidently, I'm going to tell you what's coming in the future. And I want to suggest to you that this is the posture that Christians are to have as we face the future, not cowering in fear in a corner, but standing upright. Why? Because of the vision of God that Daniel saw in this vision as we see in the pages of Scripture. The all-sufficiency, overpowering, all-gloriousness of God. He's in charge of the future. He's ordained the future. We're in His hands. We have every reason to stand upright and face the future, confident not in ourselves, but in Him. I am reminded of a song that I heard sung growing up as a kid in church. It was usually a song that, that was given as an offertory by the choir at Easter time, and it was a Bill Gaither song. And I can almost guarantee you that there are some of you here today that could probably recite the words by heart. But I'm not going to ask you to do that. Because he lives. And the chorus of this song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. And I think that song, that chorus captures the sentiment that we find here in Daniel in receiving this heavenly vision. That, yes, this heavenly messenger holds the future. He ordained the future. He is sovereign over every aspect of the future. He is all-sufficient and all-glorious to meet every need of His people in today and in the future. And we can trust Him. He is faithful. We stand and we tremble, not because we fear the future, but because of being in the present as, 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 uh, as such an all-sufficient, overpowering, all-glorious God. That's why we tremble. But we stand. That's the point. Have you encountered God like Daniel? I have not, and I have. I have not, I confess it today, seen a burning bush that is not consumed. I have burned plenty of bushes, and they have been consumed. Even burned a field. About caught a man's tobacco field on fire. But I've never seen a burning bush that was not consumed. But I have had a vision of God similar to Daniel as I've opened the pages of Scripture and been greatly encouraged. You see, Daniel was brought to his knees in mourning because of his despair over the opposition that the brethren faced in Jerusalem. And in verse 12, Daniel was told, I've come to you, Daniel, to give you a message, the heavenly messenger said, that's going to encourage you with regards to your brothers in Jerusalem. But even more, Daniel, it's going to encourage you to stand confidently in God as you face the future. And it's the same message for you and me uh, today, that as we read the Bible and as we encounter God 
in, in the Scriptures, as we see His all-sufficiency, as we see His all-gloriousness, as we see His covenant faithfulness, as, as we see His, His, His holiness, as we, as we see all that He wants us to know about Him as He's given to us in the pages of Scripture, as, as, we, as we turn and we, and we see the Lord Jesus Christ and His, His perfect life and His, His redeeming work, all that He suffered on our behalf, all that He has done to give us the gift of eternal life, we, we, should, we should stand and face the future with great confidence that we have a God who is transcendent and all-glorious. We have a God who is eminent, who is with us, who touches us and says, I greatly love you. And so I just want to demonstrate just for you just a couple of things in closing. That as we, as we go to the Word of God and we read passages like this, we, we encounter the all-sufficiency, we encounter the all-gloriousness, we, we, we encounter God in whom we can have complete confidence. Even a passage like Matthew 16, 18, we've heard this a thousand times, and I tell you, Peter... On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The power of Christ to establish this church, to build it, and it will never fail. One verse that has been a theme verse for this entire series that I've read several times is this, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, And I tell you, you are Peter... Uh, for I know that, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord... Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I mean, how encouraging is that as we face the future, to be reminded of God's sufficiency to give us a future. And one passage that I continue to go back to over and over again that's so helpful and so encouraging to me, as I stand and face my own failures, as I stand and deal with my own sin, as I stand and face disappointing myself and disappointing others and dealing with trying to build my reputation and dealing with you know, all the junk that we deal with as sinners saved by grace. This, this passage of Scripture has been so helpful to me. Zephaniah three seventeen through 20. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival, so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in. At that time I will gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. And I don't know how many times I've been so discouraged with my own life. And yet I read Zephaniah 3.17. And in Christ, God says, Tim, in all of your weakness and frailty, in all of your failure, I rejoice over you with singing. And it has caused me to stand and face the day and face the future. Not confident in my ability, but confident in the one.
who delights over me in Christ Jesus. And listen, I just want to say this to all of us, including myself. Don't look for a burning bush. You've got something better. Commit yourself to learn of God, His all-sufficiency and His all-gloriousness in the pages of Scripture. And we have no excuse, do we? We've got Bibles. We've got them on our iPads and our iPhones. And I would suggest that we commit ourselves to studying the Word of God that we might have a vision of God's glory and sufficiency that we don't run and hide but we stand in Him and face the future. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, I just simply pray for myself and for these dear ones here that you would give us a, a renewed zeal and passion for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.